0: We are live tonight with School Psych Podcast. Uh, My name is Rachel. I'm a school psychologist currently working in the state of Maryland, and uh, we're just very excited to be talking a little bit about supervision tonight. We have two very experienced supervisors who are going to give us kind of the supervisor side. We've talked a little bit about the internship, um, so we get the the flip side of the coin here tonight. Um,
1: Rebecca? Hi. I'm Rebecca. I'm a school psychologist in Connecticut. I want to encourage you guys to participate tonight. So I'm going to explain a little bit how, because I think um, sometimes people don't know how to make comments while, and, and want to while they're watching. So if you log on to Facebook, um, you can go. We have two different pages. We have School psych, Your School Psychologist. You can just comment under the top post, which is a, a reminder about this episode. You can also send a message um, to that page if you... Don't want other people to see it for any reason, or you can um, post to page, which is a visitor post, and you can do the same on the school psyched podcast page. Also on Twitter, please comment um, just by tweeting out using the hashtag #PsychedPodcast. So I'll be looking during the broadcast for your questions, comments, experiences, anything, anything you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you tonight, Anna. Hi. I'm Anna. I'm a school
2: psychologist working in New York State. Um, so we're talking about supervision tonight. That's our topic. And, and when I first heard about it, I was thinking like, oh, supervision. You know, my boss, my supervisor, right? But we're talking about much more than that. Um, we have some different research stats that we've gotten from um, different sources. The first one is um, the most common type of, administrative, of of supervision is administrative supervision. That's from Curtis Castillo and Galli in 2012. There was another survey that was completed. Um, with school psychs, and they found that only 23% of school psychs had access to individual or group supervision, while 95% of early career school psychs felt that they should have it. So a lot less people are getting direct supervision regularly um, than feel that they should have it, so that's interesting. Um, And less than a third of school psychs um, receive an hour or more of weekly supervision early in their career. So supervision, when you're starting out, you know, when we're an intern, you have your supervisor, that has to spend time with you. But when you're in your first year in the field, you're on your own a lot of the time. And that's an issue. So we have two wonderful guests who are here to talk about it and give us some ideas.
1: Yeah, so first I'd like to introduce our friend, Eric. Um, Eric has been a friend of our Facebook pages for a long time, and so I personally have adopted him as my unofficial supervisor because he always um, shares great ideas. He's just so kind and has such wonderful experience in, um, as a supervisor and a school psychologist. Eric is a certified school psychologist working in Connecticut. He's in his 25th year in the field. Um, he has two articles published in the, Connecticut school psych- in the Connecticut School Psychologist regarding addressing social behavioral needs. He has co-authored his building's RTI manual, which is now being adopted in his district. So he's got a lot to share tonight, and we're looking forward to asking questions and hearing from Eric. Um, so should we actually, should we just hear from Eric? Eric, please join us and tell us about yourself.
3: Sure. Well, thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here, and um, I always appreciate what I gain from the podcast and from the Facebook pages, so uh, I learn a lot from everyone. Um, So I'm happy to be here and happy to share. Um, So it's my 25th year as a school psychologist, but I haven't been uh, taking interns uh, for a very long time. So um, it's a relatively uh, newish experience for me, so I'm, I'm happy to be able to support and talk about that, Um, and uh, along with that, I've been on two state committees that have uh, written the um, guidelines, we're currently writing the guidelines for school psych professional practice and have previously written uh, the rubric for measuring service providers um, uh, in Connecticut as well. So, um, it kind of relates to what we're doing as supervisors, uh, having some idea or handle on um, the practice in itself. So, um, what? Uh, it, interestingly, the the um, NASP has just published our. I'll, I'll hold it up here. We can find it on NASP uh, webpage, um, the NASP um, uh, practice uh, practice model implementation guide for school psychology. So. Um, you can find that on NASP, and that's brand new. There, It's, it's a pretty comprehensive document. I have not uh, read it in its entirety, um, but it should be guiding us and our supervisors uh, and our districts in terms of uh, furthering the field, uh, models to pay attention to as far as domains of professional practice, uh, those sorts of things. So.
0: Very cool. I'm also. I'm going to jump in and introduce our second guest, just so um, you know he doesn't feel left out, and we can get his comments too. As we're also talking with Eric, it's going to be one big. One big discussion with the five of us tonight. Um, so we have Carlo Cucaro, who has worked for um, 23 years as a school psychologist in New York, 21 um, as an adjunct professor at the State University of New York in Oswego. They're they're very cold and snowy up there right now, mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Um, previously awarded the School psychologist of the Year in New York, and he's supervised multiple graduate and practicum um, interns. So um, lots of lots of good. Uh, Information here tonight, but um, welcome.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, like Eric was saying, kind of excited about participating. The whole issue of supervision, and I would even say, in a larger sense, kind of collaboration among school psychologists is really a um, a difficult thing to realize. We tend to function in silos, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of independence out there. Uh, Autonomy is great, but it um, it gets a little lonely sometimes. So, finding people to um, consult with and, and talk over cases and own practices and, and look at new things that are out there um, can be very tricky. You know, thankfully, folks like you using social media have helped to bring that um, to be a little more available. But in terms of day-to-day stuff, uh, I, I still have this ongoing concern about how kind of we're all lone wolves out there doing our own thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Out there, and I think especially if I can speak for the early career people, um, it's scary too. <laughs> oh
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. You finish grad school, you finish internship. It doesn't mean
2: you know everything, you know.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. And, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then you're, you know, you have your building, your own building, or your own district. Some people have their own district, and and that's it, you know, and that's that scary stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think you
4: know, we'll jump right I'd in. I'd like to, I'm sorry, this is Carlo again, I, I'd like to at some point kind of dovetail this from not only supervision of interns, but um, how do you hone your practices and collaborate with others uh, and, and get some level of supervision, because the unfortunate reality is for a lot of us, we're doing our own thing, and um, building competence takes supervision and guidance, and at whatever age, I've been doing this 23 years, and, you know, when the new DAS comes comes out, I'll, I'll be kind of the only person trying to figure it out, and it would certainly be nice to have somebody to work along with. I don't anticipate that happening, but um, that collaboration would be nice. I wish I saw more of it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I had that experience recently with um, the Dallas Kaplan um, test for executive, but it's, it's it's tough, it's tough to score, it's tough to learn and um, when you're not in school with a professor guiding you, it's even tougher. So, I found supervision though in the NASC, in the NASC community boards.
4: <laughs> oh, sweet, good for you. Yeah,
1: but that's one way to do it. But, yeah, so how, how do you guys, how, how have your experiences been um, supervising interns and also mentoring um, early early career or mid-career other school psychologists? Um, is there a difference in, in how you go about it or do you have a sort of a, a protocol that you like to follow or is it well, more as need?
4: Yeah. For me, and this is almost I say like kind of a bias, I, for interns I really try to make it somewhat of a protected experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to sound condescending, but there's so much that you need to know and unfortunately so little that you really know um, coming out. That I want to try to let them hone certain skills, like with, in terms of assessments. So my kind of guiding principle initially is, if I have interns, I'm not going to give them the ED kid who's going to throw chairs, drop F bombs, and flee the room for their first evaluation. Uh, and I'm also not going to ask them to do the Dallas Kaplan, you know, and all these different assessments they may or may not have experience with. So um, one of the one of the fortunate situations for me, and it's more by design of the building, is where my practicum students and, and interns are situated in a guidance suite, in a, room, in a conference room outside of my office. Oh, so thanks. they're, for better and for worse, constantly within earshot of me. Um, and I think it's important because I, um, I think there's so many things that you have questions about having someone available to ask those questions I think becomes very important so the the two big things for me one is having frequent access to the intern to talk things over and answer questions and provide guidance the other is more just a principle of how it's structured and that is um, try to make that the experience a gradual experience one increasing in difficulty of cases, complexity, intensity, um, and 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 try to walk them through every step. So making making sure that before they presented a committee on special education, they're doing a mock presentation with me. And so you're, not before, a trial,
0: you're not a trial, trial by fire type
4: of guy. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I still have a vivid memory 25 years ago of going to see my CSE chair who – had a reputation for literally making people cry. Mm-hmm. And my internship supervisor said, you are going to go present to so and so. And I and I had known this person would make people on a regular basis cry. And my internship supervisor sat down with me and went over the, everything together and I felt very prepared. Um, and, and I still remember that, making sure it's kind of a gradual sort of experience. And And the reality is you shouldn't be winging it now having said that I know some internship circumstances that are more quasi jobs and I do worry about that when you're expected to come in hit the ground running and function as a uh, school psychologist that's when bad habits um, develop and get entrenched Mm -hmm. not to mention you probably scare some people off from the field oh
1: yeah
4: yeah
0: (laughs) Eric do you feel the same way kind of um, the gradual exposure
3: (laughs) I, I do I I have been fortunate enough to have my interns also as my practicum students, so they've started out uh, a little bit slower, uh, less time in the building, um, and uh, more structure to the requirements that they have to do. So um, my practicum students can't do try can only do triennial testing, uh, and I definitely am, am careful about um, uh, not you know giving them that tough kid and. Uh, We have a district that uh, tends to, you know, we're busy probably like anywhere, so uh, we might get a call that would say, hey, you know, we're backed up with triennials, can, you know, your practicum or interns uh, students come and do some of these, Um, and they appreciate the experience, but I'm also very careful to say, um, you know, why would you give them that case, or please be careful, or, you know, those kinds of things, so... I, I agree the bad habits getting entrenched is uh is a real important thing and and that's really i think a key to what supervision is about um i certainly hopefully my if if any of my former students or current student are are listening uh will agree I certainly um hope that they don't think I come with all the answers um and there are times where we look things up together or um you know check with your professors on that and and let me know what they think and um you know, sort of sharing in, in some of the uh, new knowledge base especially. Um, you know, the, the students come to me with having fresh, uh, freshly learned all their tests and um, all the new research, so I learn things from them as well. So there's a little give and take.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm so going to one of our first questions here. We have a series of questions targeted for um, Eric and Eric. Um, I wanted to hear about different means of supervision different means of the goal of supervision. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience with that?
3: Sure. Um, so probably like any um, university, my students come with um, a rubric of things that they're supposed to be measured by, um, uh, how I um, review their practice uh, each semester, and that usually coincides with our state guidelines. It it coincides with the NASP guidelines, um, but it's pretty consistent with our state guidelines as well. And we have a number of domains of professional practice that are covered within that. And things like um, appropriate use of data, being culturally aware, um, uh, skills as far as um, uh, being able to uh, relate to the students. being aware of uh, social and emotional concerns, those kinds of things. So, in the the NASP practice manual, our uh, practice guidelines, as well as our state guidelines, there are um, I think it's about nine domains of, of practice, and then each of those is um, for the students. Each of those has a little rubric how they're they're measured. But uh, what I do within those guidelines is I make a list of things that I hope that I will teach the students, or at least we'll learn together. Um, so, with uh, appropriate use of data, for example, um, I want my students to develop an understanding of the RTI process and how they can take data, uh, even from everything from uh, quantifying an observation to uh, developmental histories and um, uh, on, on up to testing and uh, measuring a students' progress through counseling goals, those kinds of things. So. We really talk about you know, what kinds of data we're looking at, um, review of records, extant data, um, not just quantifiable things, but um, you know things that, that are just qualitative as well. Um, so that, that's a big one for me because we, we really need to use data in everything we're doing and it, it drives our decision making, um, everything from qualifying kids to um, you know how, how we're progressing and how we're measuring their counseling uh, progress as well.
1: I'm wondering for both of you or either of you, and maybe this would go sort of by your area of the country, but do do you find that um, your supervisees have any sort of general areas of weakness or, or areas where they're more unsure, uncertain than other areas? For example, maybe they're, you know, more afraid of counseling than the assessment piece or um, more comfortable presenting to faculty than to talking to parents.
4: Um, I think in general, this is Carlo again. Um, many of my students, I wouldn't say it's a weakness as much as just a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're coming in, um, not sure what to expect. They had a one day a week experience for a practicum, and now they're going to be there full time, and really realizing, I think, ultimately that they don't know all the answers and that people are going to be looking to them for answers, and um, and so there's there's a lot of confidence building I think that needs to go on. Um, now, having said that, I, I don't – personally, I, I always probably had more confidence than I should have, so um, a certain level of arrogance that I came in, and, 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 and at the risk of sounding Flippant. I think that's important. Mm. I think it really is important that you, um, if you don't know, it's okay, but don't act like you don't know. Mm.
2: <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> and, and,
4: and, and I, you have to be careful because you don't want to go rogue on that and start pretending you know everything, but um, <laughs> I, I do worry about early um, career psychologists who are um, very um, kind of passive and not sure of their conclusions and um, you know worried about making the wrong impression and it's just this kind of passivity for a lot of early career folks that I think um, makes people not have as much confidence in them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean I, I think that's such good advice and I, I hope um, People out there are um, taking that to heart. I also think sometimes you can be unsure and confident at the same time because right. you can kind of mm-hmm. phrase it as, you know, this is not, you know, the end all, be all, you know, explanation for this. But what I have found, based on the data that I've collected, here's what I think, or something like that. So it's still it sounds confident, but you're still not sure, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> right? That's a good. That's a great point. Um, People look to us to make decisions, Um, families especially, you know, when we're presenting at uh, an IEP meeting, um, they're expecting that we've tested their child or we've worked with their child. Um, What can you tell us about about our child? So, um, yeah, having a level of confidence, and and teachers too, um, especially when you come in fresh and you're young maybe, um, you know, teachers are looking to us to be leaders and to have some answers, especially for kids with behavior needs. Um, so having a, a level of confidence and um, you know some expertise at least, but being able to look that up and being able to say with confidence, you know what, I'm not sure, but um, let's find out. Or or you know, um, but yeah, having a, a too timid an approach, um, it's kind of we're probably in the field where we get eaten alive um, yeah. if we're not confident. So.
4: The other thing I would add is, I, I think as the field has evolved, many um, interns come in with interests across a range of areas. And while that's terrific, I think sometimes we have to be careful that we're not master, uh, you know, the, the, what is it? Um, oh, jack of all trades. Jack of so. all trades, master of none. Thank you. And so people who wanted, you know, I have an interest in, in, in. We have a university that has a kind of a high emphasis in play therapy, and they want to do play therapy, and then they want to do consultation, and they want to do assessments, and they want to do intervention team, and do FBAs, and you can't do it all well, so you do a lot of it poorly. Mm-hmm. And I think, particularly for early career folks, um, I would choose one or two areas and learn the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about the lack of mastery and understanding of the psychometrics behind tests mm-hmm. um, and, and so I think there's a superficiality sometimes when you try to do too many things and mm-hmm. so what I try to force my interns to do is to focus on some really important areas um, and others you may have to put off to the side it may be an interest of yours to do counseling and I'm a huge fan of counseling but that may not be the thing, practically speaking, that you're going to do a lot of in, in, in some settings. And so let's make sure your assessment skills are tight. Let's make sure that your consultation skills are tight. And then other areas, hopefully you've been doing this for 30 years, you can um, you can develop those.
3: Yeah. that That's a great point, and that hopefully is where supervision can come in. Uh, Play, you know, with our colleagues uh, or our, our uh, direct district supervisor, uh, looking at where our time is needed uh, initially. Probably for most of us, it's with uh, assessments, psychoed assessments, mm-hmm. and I would imagine behavior uh, plans and and uh, yeah. classroom supports next. So um, that's that's a great point, and we can hone those skills over time. Um, but trying to do it all out of the gate, and and sometimes we're expected to to know so much about so many things, so um, being careful about that is, is a really good point.
2: Speaking of time, mm-hmm. um, there is a question that we had for you, Eric, about the pros and cons about taking on a student. I've taken on two practicum students, and in my experience with that was it took a lot more time out of my like day-to-day duties.
3: <laughs> sure. um,
2: So what did you notice with taking on interns or practicum students with time?
3: That's a good question, and and I hesitated to do it for quite a while in my career, and uh, part of that was something that I probably call like the myth of autonomy. Um, You know, there's so many pieces to uh, running through my building, uh, you know, assessments, counseling, and in my case, probably like most of us, I'm on the move a lot. And so I had this thought that taking on a practicum student I've, or, or an intern, I might have to be um, spoon-feeding somebody and, and having them shadow me at, at times where um, it might be a little bit of a burden on what I'm doing in the building. And it, my experience has been – I've found it just to be the opposite of that. Um, the, the students that I've had have been um, eager, bright, um, able to get right involved uh, at, at the level they were capable. Um, and also honest with me in terms of, um, you know, I'm comfortable with that or I'm not comfortable, or before I do that, I might need um, this kind of support. And so we, we've had a really open relationship, uh, my students and I. And um, uh, like Carlo, I, I, my students are in my office. So uh, when somebody has to test, if I'm not observing them testing, you know, we find room to do some, something somewhere else uh, in the building. Um, but otherwise we're we're sharing the same space. So there's a lot of um, shadowing uh, and and give and take discussion about things. Uh, but I found my students to be very eager uh, to really jump right in and uh, and learn. and the the thing that I would expect from students really is uh, a sense of compassion and open-mindedness, um, commitment to the students. And beyond that, um, if they can read a test manual, they can give a test. So, um, you know, we'll work on interpretation and report writing, those kinds of things, but um, if they have the personal skills and the, the drive to work with kids and compassion for the families, um, that's the stuff I, I can't show them and teach them. So uh, I've, I've been very fortunate.
1: That's great. How, how do you guys both find your um, interns and supervisees? Are they assigned to you by local um Uh, master's programs or do you advertise? Do you sort of send out um, employment uh, (laughs) advertisements? How do you do that?
4: Well for um, practicum students because I'm close to the local university, State University at Oswego um, and I have a relationship with lots of the professors there, I I regularly get calls every year for practicum students. Um, Internships are a little more involved because Um, You end up talking about having to go through, for us, having to go through personnel, get approval in the budget, um, get postings, those sorts of things. So practicum students are are relatively easy to, uh, easy might be the wrong word, but um, readily available to some of us, and the -the behind-the-scenes work is insignificant in terms of securing one. I usually get an email, who wants a practicum student, I'll say I do, and then I'll get an email from the student and we'll set up a schedule to have that student come in and, and talk about what their responsibilities will be. Now when we talk about interns we just um, the local university has an internship fair every year in um, December and that is a, is a kind of a place where all of the uh, local districts go with their either personnel director or director of special education or whomever is in, kind of in charge of the internship situation and the students from this university are at the internship fair. So a little bit like a job fair where students will go around to each of the respective schools and, and talk. Um, this year there is a relatively small class of interns at the local university so I have, <laughs> excuse me, have reached out to um, several other universities in probably a hundred mile um, radius and talked to internship coordinators, um, university professors. So we have a posting that our personnel um, director drew up. I sent that out. I put it on uh, the NASP listserv um, as well. So trying to um, get some candidates to come on down to Scenic Fulton, New York.
1: That's great. Did you mention you might be looking for interns currently as well?
4: Yeah, well, for the upcoming school year.
1: For the upcoming school year. Yes. Good to know, everybody.
3: (laughs) It's important. (laughs) I think our field is slightly different than uh, maybe clinical, where you have to be matched for your internship, and there's a lot of competition. Uh, I don't know, at least where I am, we have a relationship with Southern Connecticut State University, and uh, I know Fairfield University in Connecticut, UConn, and um, University of Hartford all have school psych programs. Um, and at least in my case, what some of the professors have done is just reached out to our district. And um, we have 17 psychologists in district, so um, as many as are able certainly could take interns. Um, I know not everybody's tenured yet. We have some new folks, uh, and I don't think they're able to take interns until they're tenured. But um, So we're certainly uh, open to accepting practicum students and, and interns. And... Um, you know, we, we welcome the, the universities calling us. We're, we're happy to do it. Um, and someone had mentioned um, paid internships. We don't have paid internships in Connecticut, um, but we currently right now have a shortage of school psychologists, and the state allows students to be hired during their intern year if they finish their master's and are completing their um, six-year certification um, but are all but internship uh, complete. They're, they're allowed to be hired um, uh, under the, the guise that they're completing their internship. So they, they actually are hired as school psychologists during the intern year um, which is, is interesting. I don't know whether that'll change when we don't have a shortage. Uh, we call it DSAP. I'm not quite sure what the initials stand for but um, that's what the state calls it I guess.
1: Well, that's That sounds great. I didn't know that but Sounds like a nice security.
3: Yeah, certainly. Uh, obviously, I think as Carlo mentioned, there's, you know, there's the possibility that bad habits get formed if there isn't close supervision. But I think the expectation is is that um, very close supervision is taking place at that
0: level as well. Mm-hmm. Just to um, uh, I, I lost my turn. Just to kind of impose in there. Um. We have kind of a, a comment on um, Anna. Your cat got a shout out, and I think <laughs> that was funny.
2: So. She, she abandoned me now. I was trying to. She was sitting on my questions, so I was trying to like get to them, and she was she was not appreciating it. So, she's taking her moment in the spotlight, and she's ran.
0: Sorry, to real realize. But I just, um, um, oh, I have kind of a question too. Um. So my intern year, I had two supervisors, which was nice because I got to see how things were working over at these schools and how this person does it over here. Do you guys ever do that? Do you think that that's good? Do you think that that can be confusing? Um, What are your thoughts on multiple supervisors for one intern?
3: I know one of my students, I'm in an elementary school and, uh, well actually two of my students in particular had wanted secondary experience. I was more than happy for them to get whatever experience they needed. Um, so we made arrangements for you know for them to do some counseling at the high school level and um, do some assessments uh, across our district. And so in those instances, they they did get some supervision from the other psychologists. And uh, I certainly trust you know I don't feel any ownership. I you know I do feel um, you know my students are sort of my you know protective of them in in some respects, but Um, But in terms of, um, you know, sharing the supervisory support, um, I trust the other psychologists in my district um, to to give them the same kind of support that they need as well.
4: And and same as Eric, the um, internship experience, I'm assuming this is cross states, is Mm. K-12. And so I'm an elementary K-6 building. So when my interns go up to either junior high or the high school, they'll be interacting with the psychologists in their respective buildings. The The uh, amount of interaction might not be quite to the same level as they, they have with me, but they'll have a chance to get feedback and, and, and collaborate with others as well, which I think is important. Um, because, you know, as I said earlier, the when you're an intern, you are working directly with a school psychologist on a regular basis. That won't happen again. Right. <laughs> Once you get out in the field, you're you will. I see. I see my colleagues um, maybe once a month mm-hmm. at psychologist meetings, and and we haven't had a psychology meeting this year because there's this weird contractual thing going on now. Where meetings outside of the school day <laughs> have. Uh, I don't know. If they've been um, um, people have been arguing about them, or whatever. But we've had almost no school psychologist meetings, so. Once again, once you're out of that internship experience, your regular interactions with others in the field is going to be somewhat limited.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like that point because I, during my internship year, I had two regular supervisors. Um, I had two days in one building and three days in another. And then I also spent some time um, with a um with a, a district psychologist that was in charge of private schools so she she helped me navigate those um, assessments and reports so I thought it was great to see different styles of psychologists that, because you know everybody's report is a little bit different the things that they focus on I found that I found it really helpful and, and those three supervisors were so different from my college professors so um, I really like that
4: yeah that's good
1: yeah. Even yeah. if you have a
2: terrible one, you have some um, chances to learn how you would not be a supervisor if you become one one day, <laughs> right?
3: That's
2: right. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, um, I hear you do research and have some special RTI experience? I, I do. Um,
3: you know, Connecticut adopted uh, RTI uh, a few years back, and um, we call it SRBI in Connecticut, Scientific Research-Based Interventions. And um, my, uh, you know, at the building level, we really felt like, my vice principal and I um, and some other staff felt like we needed to get a better handle on it. So we we needed to have uh, some ownership into the process and um, shift the paradigm from what we had been previously doing. So um, my VP and uh, special ed teacher did a needs assessment on the building in terms of what we understood as RTI and what support we need. And then the... Following year, my vice principal and I just sort of tackled the project. It took us about a year of writing, but we wrote a, a process manual and um, uh, researched other uh, RTI states and other RTI districts and um, and came up with what we, we believe is a pretty good uh, model. We rolled it out to our building, and the district liked it, and, um, and so now it's a model for the district. So... Um, I, we think we did something good with it at least, um, but I, you know, I'm one of those folks who gets bored easily, so I, I do a lot of reading and writing on my own, um, so it's just one of those you know the family goes to bed and I have to do something for a little while more just to um, yeah. keep the brain active, I guess. So. Um, but we we did uh, also rolled out an action team um, for doing FBAs so that it wasn't just sitting on my shoulders, that whole process, which you know, for some of us, it's the psych who does all of that. Um, So I I did the same thing. I researched, you know, what a good FBA should be and wrote a a procedural manual, and um, my principal liked it, so we've adopted this team of um, about eight of us, and so when an FBA needs to be done in the building, we follow a very clear procedure for observations and uh, gathering data, and we do it together, which is great, so it, it takes some of that uh, ownership just off of me but also um, allows a group of people to really participate and and that way if somebody doesn't like it it's everybody's fault <laughs> I'm just a psychologist
1: that
2: sounds awesome you yeah. know I'm wondering if taking on students does that I know you mentioned you work do some work at night but just taking on students sort of free you up for more of these administrative type duties
3: you know that that's a great question I would say yes um, because I am on a number of committees um, and uh, my students certainly share in triennials and and when I have interns they do initials with me Um, and I've had my my students have also been really involved in the counseling that we do in my school Um, so it it helps me with caseload which which I appreciate Um, and we certainly understand that you know on one hand it's free free labor um, but on the other hand it's supervised work experience so so we do that together and I always tell them you know I'm grateful for this and I don't ever expect them to do my job for me um, and that I think is is really important for um, interns to hopefully understand as well
1: that's really
2: nice and uh, we're'm we're, uh, running low on time so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going um, Eric you have a website would you mind um showing that uh, to absolutely.
3: us absolutely I'll do a screen share thank you
2: no problem and while you're and while you're getting that set up um, Carlo, I wanted to ask you a question about interview tips. Do you have any interview tips for um, both sides, prospective supervisors and prospective interns?
4: Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I think um, the internship tips are probably what most people have heard in terms of tips for anybody who's going on a job interview, um, in terms of, you know, making sure you're <laughs> there a little bit early and make sure, you know, little things that I think sometimes get overlooked. Um, One is making sure that if – it's hard if you're applying for multiple jobs, but know a little bit about the district. So if there's something in the district that's going on, either an initiative or even, you know, we've had people who have applied and noticed that um, the website had something called PBIS on it. And that just gives people the sense that you're you're, um, prepared. The other thing that's in my mind, the kiss of death, yet I'm, I'm I'm so surprised that people routinely do it, is not asking questions at interviews. Um, it's it's shocking to me. Interviews for teachers, school psychologists, administrators, where it's not uncommon when all the questions are done and we turn to that person, and we say, "Do we have any you have any questions for us?" Uh, somebody will say, "No, I, I think you've you know give me all the information I need. I'm pretty good." Uh, m- my feeling is that's not uh, the response I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. They're, um, once again, as cliche as it sounds, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. So asking questions about expectations, role, um, opportunities for professional development, uh, things that you're interested in, will you be able to do those things? I have a practicum student with me now who's interested in doing some research on mindfulness and meditation with kids, and he's been very clear about that. But I think asking good questions um, that are that are well thought out, not just kind of generic ones, um, once again goes back to that whole issue of being prepared. I think that's really important.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: That's yeah.
0: It. Let's jump back over to Eric then. Who um, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your website and and what you've got up there? Sure.
3: Oh. Um, So this is uh, RandomActsOfCounseling.com, and my goal has been to try to develop um, some data-based, evidence-based counseling supports and really try to share those with people so that we're not relegating ourselves to what I call Random Acts of Counseling. So um, on the the site you'll find um, some... Uh, behavioral questionnaires that uh, an Excel file that I I have that I do uh, I give to teachers to sort of rate students in terms of what skill they might need um, or what skills they might be lacking in the classroom as far as social skills and coping skills and uh, and from there you know I might meet with the parents and also do some observations and and hopefully that would lead me to having a clear sense of what skills I would want to work on with the student in counseling so that I'm not just um, seeing the student randomly. So that that's sort of the, um, the impetus for the, the website. Um, you know, because I know as we all get busy, we might see a student here or there, or, you know, we might see a student when they're in trouble in the office, but um, I have about 30 students on my counseling caseload weekly, and uh, many of them have... Uh, you know, they're what I call Tier 2 and Tier 3 behavior students, so they have some pretty significant needs. Um, so I really want to dive into working on specific skills with them and, and focusing on measuring the outcomes of, of the support. So um, so on the site, it's, it's just sort of um, just gotten up and running uh, the last six months or so. Um, but my uh, most recent article in the Connecticut School Psychologist um, is focusing on some skills that we can work on and uh, evidence-based practice in in counseling. Um, so hopefully, it, it, you know, there are things that I'll share and and certainly put them up there for free. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're all in this together to support these kiddos. Hopefully, people will find things that are um, scientific-based and research-based and um, and goal-directed.
1: Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I want to mention I'm posting um, links to Eric's website, Eric's Facebook page, and a link um, that Carlos shared uh, um, that looks like a great, um, a great um, PDF on preparing for your school psychology internship. I just posted those um, in the comments section of both Facebook pages. Excellent,
4: thank you. So um,
2: I'm going to jump in with another question, um, Carlo. The process of choosing a supervisor. I mean, uh, you can ask questions at interview, right? Yes. Um, and then there's kind of finding supervision beyond when you're an intern, you know, as an early career school psych. Do you have any tips for finding finding the right supervisor or uh, picking a supervisor?
4: Well, it's it's interesting because I, I, I unfortunately I don't think the field lends itself to be kind of like a uh, you know um, a a dating situation where you would have multiple people to kinda check out and make a decision based on the one who's got your interest you know there's no (laughs) match.com for internships unfortunately Uh, I like that we should make
0: that though, we should make it it.
4: what ends up happening is students look for internships um, at least in New York that the first two criteria have almost nothing to do with quality of supervision it's location and money Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so districts that are near where they either are attending college or where they want to work or live Mm -hmm. are the first criteria the next in New York State um, I I would never get an intern if we don't pay interns Mm -hmm. so the money is a driving force I understand that it's not a lot you know ten to twelve thousand dollars is probably average um, so after you get past the reality that students are going to look for something where they want to be and that's paying, then it, you're <laughs> they're looking at well, what schools are offering paid internships? Mm-hmm. And so then they'll um, on the on the other side of it, um, the people who want to supervise interns um, there's certainly criteria. You know, NASP says you you should have three years of experience um, and be tenured. In our district, all of our psychologists, almost all, um, are, are meet the criteria for being supervised Now, but not everybody's interested um, because, as Eric was saying before, in um, as much as it's a wonderful experience, it's a hell of a lot of work. You know, it, it really is and it's a wonderful thing to do but um, it, it ends up being um, – a lot of time to, to, to supervise and guide and schedule things that are going on. So um, not everybody is, is um, in a place where they're willing to step up to the plate. So who's available in certain districts can be limited. So what it really boils down to, I think, for interns is what schools are offering experiences, paid experiences in New York, near where they want to be, and then they'll go in and they'll interview and, and see if they can get the job. And then whoever is the intern in that respective district, I think it's kind of like, all right, here you go. You know, I, I, Unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot of, well, let me make sure this person's interest lines up with my interests and that we're a match. Um, and, and, and that's not, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I've I had wonderful experiences with interns, um, <laughs> but it is really kind of like an arranged marriage. <laughs> yeah.
1: How is mentorship different? Have you had people um, who reach out to you just for mentoring, or and and that's a little bit different because there is a choice there. You can just let them know that you're too busy, right?
4: Well, yeah. In 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 our district, um, for any new um, teacher psychologist, they they'll have um, a mentor for um, a year officially, and two years is recommended, and Mm so. Um, my my director of special education will often ask me if I will um, be a mentor or incoming psychologist. Um, and then there's also uh, there's a, a professor at the local university um, who's done a really nice job of creating online mentoring. Oh, wow. And so talking with um, graduate students around cases, practices, um, systems in schools. So that's been kind of cool. It's all virtual.
1: Yeah, that's Great. Yeah, We're that's a lot on. of what we try to do. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: Eric, sorry I cut
3: you off. Oh, I oh, okay. Uh, same thing with new psychologists. Uh, we assign a mentor. Um, but I was thinking the same thing. You're you're doing you know this is online mentoring in a sense and support. So. Yes. Um. And and you know through these the Facebook uh, school psych pages. We have a lot of supportive people. You know, someone feels someone's uh, feel free to ask a question, and so many people jump in with um, you know knowledgeable answers and supportive answers, and um, it's it's really fantastic. I, I appreciate all of this.
2: Yeah, if you can't find someone you trust within your district, you know the internet is such a great place. The private and yeah. pages yeah. are
4: great. The only <laughs> thing I will say, and I'm a huge fan of all of the social media and the materials available. It's remarkable. I mean, it, it, it literally is like you can get anything about anything, yeah. but when it comes to the day-to-day functioning, I, I still think folks need—and um, I'm not talking about just interns or, or novice psychologists—guidance when it comes to the day-to-day stuff in terms of breaking difficult news to parents, running and effect, presenting effectively at CSE, um, you know, really integrating a report well, um, those things it's the nuance stuff every day that I think we're just kinda doing our own thing and I would like for someone to say to me you know Carlo at that CSE meeting you really spent too much time talking about this and not enough time talking about this Um, or you got a little too bogged down in jargon Um, I just have to hope that I'm insightful enough to pick that up because I don't get any feedback um, in the day to day stuff that's a good point, too. I, I
3: think of uh, report writing as well. You know, um, yes. I've been writing my style of reports for who knows how long, and um, it would be great to get feedback on the utility of my explanation sometimes and recommendations, those kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So we're running out of time. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? Thank you so much. Anything you want to share that you haven't gotten to talk about yet, Eric and Carla?
4: Yeah, I think um, you're in a great field. I um, tripped into this whole area of school psychology after thinking I want to be a computer programming major. Um, so as I think you probably already know, it's incredibly exciting. It, it's a little overwhelming. There are so many things that we're asked to do. Um, I, 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 would, I would kind of go back to a comment I made earlier decide on a couple things that you want to be unbelievably competent in and and hone those things if it's behavior if it's writing kick-ass FBAs do that um, if it's being an amazing person with cognitive assessments why you want to do that I don't know but if you wanted to be an amazing strengths and weaknesses guru do that um, but I I think for a lot of people, we try to do so many things. Um, get good at a few things.
3: Yeah, I agree. And uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Would be, you know, as Carlos said, and and uh, I think the previous podcast, you know, it, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Um, there's so many things to do and so many things to keep track of. Um, ask for help when you need it. It's not a sign of weakness. It's uh, you know, it, it might just be what you need to keep it together because it's a busy field and a lot rests on our shoulders uh, yeah. in particular.
0: Awesome. All right, thank you both for uh, for agreeing to come and chat with us. I think it was really informative and I for sure learned.
4: Thanks for having us. Thank, thank
3: you so much.
0: Thank you. All right. And then um, I think we're scheduled to be back on in February. We'll be posting some stuff um, as far as what those topics are going to be? We're we're excited for some upcoming stuff um, that we think is really interesting. So, okay,
2: cool. Bye everyone.